0: Welcome to DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. Hi, everyone. My name is Julie Rotella. I'm the Assistant Commissioner of Administration for the Department of Children's Services, and I'm here today with Dr. Tara Kuhn. She is a licensed psychologist and assistant professor of clinical psychiatry and behavioral sciences. She's also the clinical director for the Center of Excellence for Children in State Custody. We also have Dr. John Ebert here with us. He's, as well as, a licensed psychologist. He's the associate professor of clinical psychiatry and behavioral health and he's the director for the Vanderbilt Center of Excellence. Welcome. We'd like to talk a little bit about the Roots of Resiliency sessions that you have been doing. And why don't we just start there? Can you talk a little bit about what that series is and what its aim
1: is? Yeah, so we are really excited to be able to engage in that series in partnership with you all at the Department of Children's Services. I know kind of it came about in response to the pandemic and the desire to kind of create some supports for families across the state. And we were really excited when you all reached out to kind of brainstorm around ways that we could maybe gather together just our kind of expertise in Vanderbilt at the COE and talk a little bit about ways to support families across the state.
2: I think that was one of the things that was really exciting about it was that you know we all partner together so much around training and equipping child welfare professionals, but this gave us the opportunity to not only support those workers and their families, it also reached out into the general public, providers, our foster parents. It's really been a nice just kind of extension of what we're all doing in child welfare to be able to give it kind of deeper into family system across the state.
1: Yeah, I think coming together kind of at the beginning of this social isolation period, I think we kind of all recognized that there were going to be a lot of people at home and probably with free time and also kind of increase in stress and thinking about how we could kind of jump into some topics around stress and coping that people might find helpful and desire to kind of check in around. And so it's been nice to be able to kind of create, we created this 12-week series where we invited folks to come in to hear a little bit about a topic, but really also just kind of engage in questions and sharing really just kind of their own experiences across the pandemic, both the struggles as well as the things that they're doing and their own strategies around kind of managing the different pockets of you know topics that we've talked about. So it's been nice to be able to interact in that way too.
0: It really is a great way to respond to the community and be able to support them through this difficult time. So speaking of that, what has the response been to this series?
1: You know, I think that we are on week seven of kind of what we've slotted out as 12 weeks of this series and the kind of the structure of the series has been that we've kind of been offering it twice a week, same topic in the week, but offered at two different times. And it kind of has quickly grown. You know, we started out that first week with, you know, about 30 people showing and attending. And we've really, over the last few weeks, have seen that increase. So we're uh, generally around, you know, uh, kind of 85, 120 folks joining us. And that's been really nice. I think sometimes. There are people who are coming in that are new from based on the topic that we're talking about in the week, but you also see that there are people who are just kind of coming back and are you know you kind of start recognizing in the interaction in the chat, and that's been really nice too to see how people are cross talking within the um, platform. And I think that people's response have been relatively positive, and people have been really willing to give us feedback. It's something we've tried to solicit across the series is feedback from the people who are participating in the discussion to really try to guide some of the topics and areas so that we're trying to make sure we're kind of getting what it is they need and been a really positive response.
0: Sounds like it's really resonating with them, Dr. Ebert.
2: This is just a bit of a small digression, but I think it illustrates the kind of what's happening with the resiliency series, we watch like football teams go to the Super Bowl and the stress and the frenetic, you know, the media, the the height of platform and stress and at least in athletics. And it's always interesting to me when those athletes are interviewed, what they always say at the height of all that is we're just going to go back to the fundamentals. Like we're going to remember our fundamentals, like that's the grounding wisdom that they take into the most stressful kind of event of their lives at that point mm-hmm. in terms of athletic performance. And in some regards, with this pandemic what this resiliency series has really done i think is kind of highlighted let's go back to the fundamentals let's just talk about what is stress and you know why do we need to first regulate our stress first in ourselves then get involved in other people's stress and talked about you know kind of different age groups from infants to adolescents talked about ways in which we can manage ruptures and repairs in in the everyday kind of fabric of trying to do work and family life in our home. So I, I think that when I look back on this, Intera really has in her leadership has really kind of orchestrated the I think the direction and the topics and they while they're they're separate, they can stand on their own. There there has been a nice narrative of managing stress through Different developmental stages and different relationships, partnerships. You've even spoke to marriage. You know, and, and how, how are you dealing with your partner aging stress and how are you navigating that? What does the marriage literature say? Trust couples need to focus on. So I think that that has really uh, been both a challenge to speak to a wide range, but also I think it, I think we found people responding to that.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that concept of the fundamentals, and we know how important it is to really focus on those fundamentals. You've already, you started touching on this, but what are some of the topic areas that you've covered been?
1: You know, we did try to, we try to think about the 12 weeks, both as like John was saying, topics that could stand on their own, but also as a little bit of a narrative around like a developmental narrative. And so we really started out the first week talking about stress, just understanding stress. How does it affect your body? How does it affect your emotions? And why is that even part of our way of coping evolutionarily and just kind of kind of grounding people in an understanding of that these these are normal. These are normative responses to the situation that we're in with the pandemic and how to recognize them and kind of validate those experiences a little bit. And then talked a little bit about just some ways to take care of ourselves and those around us with some basic kind of wellness strategies and some coping around, So that's kind of where we jumped in the first week. And we kind of went from there into talking about regulation, just emotion regulation. And that's something that is really a theme that's been woven through almost every week that we've done. But we talked in that second week about the idea of recognizing our own emotion regulation and co-regulating others with that kind of process I know, John, if you want to talk a little bit more about that piece of it.
2: We, of course, use the metaphor of the red ball and that, you know, it's kind of this external representation. And and I kind of laughed because we used that metaphor even before COVID-19. And when you actually visually see the ball, it actually looks like the symbol for the Mm COVID-19. So we had to apologize to everyone and say, this is a tool, not a trauma trigger. but, but honestly, the, the, the red ball really represented just kind of this metaphor of being able to bring our energy, emotional energy, into a place that... We can problem solve or we can be intentional and we can organize, but you have to do that for yourself first. If you, if you try to do that for others and you haven't done that, it's really ineffective. So really highlighted that. I, one of the things that a lot of people responded to in that was kind of knowing this is a concept from Bob Marvin uh, and Circle of Security of knowing your shark music. So we really helped groups really kind of notice like, what is my shark music? You know, the Jaws theme music that the music starts to play when something happens that either triggers our stress or anxiety or even our, our own dysregulation and I think people really enjoyed kind of saying yeah I really during this pandemic I know what my shark music is, you know some of them became like a, an, a, another scheduled zoom meetings my shark <laughs> yeah, I mean, my kids are trying to get my attention I've got my door you know kind of closed and just just or interactions with partners you know so that was a really beneficial I think session to kind of focus for for the group.
1: I think in that week there's you know, there's a lot of analogies that I know have been helpful to John and I over our years of working in trauma that relate to this idea of regulation. And so we tried to really kind of equip the group that week with some of those analogies around recognizing where their emotion is in themselves in their body and kind of being able to slow down and and touch in on that for kind of responding to others in their lives. Because we, I think, talked a lot about like a lot of us in social isolation are trying to manage multiple roles right now of both being a parent. At that point, we were also trying to be school teachers. And then we were trying to be professionals. And it's really hard to stay kind of regulated when you're kind of juggling those multiple roles at a time. And recognizing that, how stress really kind of kicks your red ball out of a kind of a regulated place and that we are pulled as you know as individuals to kind of start chucking those balls at people around us because we are so dysregulated in the moment just trying to do so many things and wear so many different hats and that's like even exacerbated by the uncertainty and anxiety that is part of the pandemic right that, is just kind of overlaying all of that. It's not just am I how do I be a mom, a psychologist, and a, you know, fourth grade teacher. But then I also am trying to figure out what does it mean to go to the grocery store, right? So just a lot of different layers going on that are really contribute to folks kind of regulation and stress being more challenged. And how that bandwidth that we often have throughout our just normal typical days has gotten really shortened and crunched and constrained because of everything else we're trying to juggle. And that makes us, you know, short with people, or it makes us want to disconnect with people. And so we just really tried in that second week just kind of lay a groundwork of understanding of that emotion regulation system, and then some tools and analogies and metaphors that people could use. Like the red ball like shark music let go of the rope things like that that just maybe people can kind of go to when their red ball is either going way up here or way down there what can they what could they maybe find in their toolbox that would help them stay kind of connected with those around them that was week two three we moved into
2: mindfulness and as a tool michael george uh, one of our colleagues here at vanderbilt just guided the groups through just what is mindfulness and what are ways in which we can bring a mindful strategy to our relationships. And well, first of all, using mindfulness to help us cope and bring our stress systems down, but they can use that as a tool for, for coping stress. So that was a big that was a big week three. And I think coming out of there we, we moved into the triple threat of what we what we call the repair reunion. Uh, talk and just that relationships actually get stronger when they're able to navigate through that sequence of inevitably in conflict you'll have ruptures but it's the relationships that navigate a repair that bring the relationship back into a better kind of understanding with one another whether that's a parent child relationship or partnerships and then finally um, that positive that kind of what seals that is to reflect on that positive reunion that, that that's a positive use the metaphor of you know you, you do the same thing in the gym you or when you take a brisk walk or any time you engage your body you're in essence rupturing your body you're disruptive and then it repairs and that makes you stronger and so relationships go through that same cycle of rupture repair reunion and so that was one of the focuses of believe that was week four in the process
1: yeah i think too like for me that was a week that people really resonated with. And I think part of it was really digging into this idea of conflict as an opportunity to connect and putting, embedding the idea of ruptures and conflicts into a developmental lens, helped people to maybe take a different perspective on them as they happen. I think a lot of times, especially now, as many of us are kind of in close quarters, And, you know, things are loosening up now, but back at that point in time, really, we were pretty much on a lockdown. And so people were, I think, feeling, you know, that conflict and bickering and all of those things are just kind of increasing in their homes. And... I know just as a parent myself, you know that that bickering between children gets very tiring and then you get pulled into it and then you're in the conflict and it feels like, you know, when you can't get distance from those people around you, being in that mix of conflict all the time, it's it's disheartening. And so really wanting to put the idea of conflict into a developmental lens where people could see how conflict is going to happen. It's inevitable. There's no way to avoid it in relationships. And so Accepting that is kind of step one. And then the second and third step is that, you know, if I can engage in this idea of repair and reconnection, then I get to this experience of a positive relational reunion. That those are really developmental tasks for kids that have like far reaching implications for them as they go through development. So we really tried to talk uh, and talk through with folks what that developmental implication is both around how that's how kids learn their sense of safety and relationships in the world is through that disruption, repair, positive relational reunion. It's how they learn emotion regulation, right? Like my ability to get upset or angry and then hold on to that feeling for a little while and then come back and talk about it. I'm learning all these tools around controlling my emotions, naming my emotions, and then self-soothing. The other part of that kind of rupture, repair, positive relational reunion that I think people really resonated with too was that it's really tied to resilience. That idea that if I, throughout my childhood and development, can experience some things that are hard and then I can come back around to them to understand and process them, that's the repair, and then connect, which is the reunion, and feel good, that I'm starting to lay this map for resiliency, which is that I can do hard things, I can face them, and I'm going to come back out stronger and okay. People really resonated with that concept. I think it gives people a lot of grace in their relationships to be like, I'm just not going to get it right all the time. And really, the literature says we only get it right like 30% of the time. So that leaves 70% opportunity for repair and reunion. And so, how do I give myself grace for all those times that I don't get it right? and then kind of turn the corner and say, like, I screwed that one up. It didn't go the way I wanted it to go. What do I do now? Now that I've kind of regulated myself, I'm more calm. I'm not as angry as I was earlier today around the situation with my kids. How do I come back around to it and really make it in an intentional repair and reunion? And that's really, that was, I think, really freeing for a lot of people, that concept. So that was a good, that was good.
0: So it sounds like you all focused a lot on regulation and connection. And it seems as if the series in and of itself allows that for the participants to engage in that regulation during the series, and it gives them a means to connect. What are some other ways you feel people may have benefited from the series?
2: Part of what we've tried to do is not only provide content, but allow people to ask questions and post in the chat. I think that's been one of the surprising benefit of this kind of technology, where people are able to not only listen to the content, but offer responses and questions. And I think people have benefited from seeing other people's questions, like, oh, you you struggle with that too, or you hope that the, the content is validating and, and supportive. But people, I think, in general, feel better seeing that other parents have that question too, that... There may be afraid to ask or put out there, so I think the, the format really, I think, has helped people feel more validated.
1: Well, and I think that we struggle with it, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've been really trying to be transparent about is like, while we may know some of this content, we is, we're are struggling ourselves, right, with some of these, you know, the pandemic and the stress and the being home and managing the different roles. Like, they're not alone in that experience. That's something that we're all kind of together in. So I do think that connection has been really important. I think that just from some of the responses from folks that I think has I've noticed is that people have said that their lens has changed a little bit. That sometimes the discussion, both the content but and the discussion has just kind of changed the way they're thinking about some of the struggles that they're having and kind of letting, giving them a little bit of breathing room around different ways to look at things that are going on in their home and in their relationships that frees them up to be more connected and have opportunities to be more connected. I mean, I think after we kind of came out of that week of conflict and disruption repair reunion, we talked about young children, infants and young children and kind of, and stress. And I, I think that people in that week really did benefit from kind of like what you're saying, what John was saying is going back to the fundamentals and really just talking about what is typical development for, you know, an infant to a toddler and what are things that I should just expect for typical kids that age. And I think those going back to those and saying like, Oh, that behavior is because this is where they are in development. And this is what they need from me in those moments. And this is what these bids for attention really are about. It's not about you know being manipulative or or being clingy you know like there's reasons for all this stuff. and I think that really helped just my sense from the you know comments from people it really helped them to shift their lens on some of their behaviors around things they were experiencing.
2: This is a topic we're actually going to be focusing on our next call with everyone, but it's been a theme throughout almost every one of these, and that is loss. I think people have been able to tap into the loss that that they've experienced as a result of, you know, all these changes and the fears and adjustments they've had to make around things like, you know, graduations or other rituals in the spring that I think it that's another observation I think we've had is just that this, this series has helped them tap into and validate that loss, and the, and the changes that have had to come with that. Losses too that aren't that aren't obvious. I remember one person posting a comment like, about just loss of, of. This has brought up loss and isolation. Brought up memories of losing someone in their at another point in their life. So it, it was really has tapped a lot of that aspect of
0: people. That is so powerful. What other highlights or takeaways would you like people to know or something that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: I think one, you know, one thing that we've been pondering is, you know, we set this up as a twelve week series, I think. And I remember Julie when we were first talking about it, like trying to figure out how many weeks do we do this for? And you know, what what when we were talking about this in March Twelve weeks seemed like oh we'll kind of be at the end of this thing. Okay. <laughs> Let's do a few weeks out after it, you know, after whatever that it is, and then we can talk about you know just how to support people after we're in this period of social isolation and and shutdown. And I mm-hmm. am struck by here we are. We're kind of going into week eight next week of the series, and we're still in it, right? We're not at we're not mm-hmm. at the end of it, and. I think that I'm struck by that and thinking about how do we as a community kind of shift into like a longer term lens around this and that this stressor is something that's going to ebb and flow and it's going to go up and down and that these fundamentals that we're kind of talking about, they are kind of steady, right? And so... I definitely come out of some of these weeks. Even this week, we talked about teenagers, and we ended up going overtime yesterday in our hour. And just many times in the in the hour, even with the group feeling like we could do a whole nother hour just talking about teens, you know, and pick a little pocket about something about teens and talk about. There's just so much I think that is being uh, brought up for folks during this time that, in some ways, you know is creating an opportunity to bring people together and address it because some of what people are talking about are really, they're things that are always there, right? It's not just pandemic. It's teenagers can be hard, you know, and the pandemic is just making, it's ramping up a lot of things, but I don't know. I've been struck by, you know, that, that there is, there is this layer over everything we're talking about that's pandemic, but there's also just kind of in there, this support and connection that I'm trying to kind of take a longer-term view on around kind of where we're at. Yeah, I have to
0: laugh when I think back to how naive I was <laughs> in March, and it's true. And it, it, and you think, going back to the grief and loss and just thinking about kids and adolescents in their normal development and how much they're missing out on right now, it, it just, I mean, there's so much, you know... Sadness around the epidemic, but I know that that really touches my heart to think of kids yeah. And, yeah. and what they're losing um, But there's also a lot of joy and a lot of um, lessons that we're learning from this as well And uh, a lot of places to give gratitude And I think that your series is definitely one of those highlights that again brings people together and helps them to experience such powerful lessons and ways of dealing with everyday stressors. Dr. Ebert, is there anything that you'd like to share as far as any highlights or takeaways?
2: Maybe just to personalize it a bit. I mean, I think that this whole thing is you've had incredible pain and, and fear and health concerns and people have grappled with unemployment. And so there's this there's this one end where there's all of this pain and this, this struggle. But yet on this other end, you also see incredible acts of kindness generosity, pulling together, making changes, adaptations, people stopping and walking with their families. So it's this, I think that's one of the takeaways for me is like, it's this strange world where both are existing. In. And as Tara was saying, like, these have always been there. This pandemic, I think, has illuminated these experiences so both about the pain and the grief but also the connection and you know obviously i want this to move past and and move forward but there is there is a small voice in me that that is saying like don't waste pandemic and the roots of the resiliency series i think has helped all of us even terrible I, would be for us slow down and say yeah what what is important in these areas and it is you know the, the things that Around connection and and generosity, navigating these things, articulating these things, you know, narrating resiliency. That's really what the other day I caught the title of this whole series. And I'm like, this is all about resiliency. And it's just a it's no small thing. we, We need to continue conversations of resiliency. Because I do agree that we're gonna we're going to make it through this. It's also interesting that things become safe again. That's actually when you start to feel we're in survival, and we're gonna have all sorts of feelings. I think. After. I think we should. The one piece of advice I would give everyone would be: you'll you'll you're in a survival state. When you get safe again, you'll start to process those that you had to hold and survive. So if you have those feelings after, and you're like, wait, past it's. Passed. it's Late summer or early fall, whenever this clears up, why am I feeling this way? Well, you're totally normal. Because it's only when we regain safety that we then begin to process those feelings and integrate them into not only what we went through, but how we've been changed or not or where we go. So I think integrating this toward the future will also be a process. And Tara was kind of illuminating, like she was talking about that.
0: Yes, very important point. Uh, And that when we begin to feel that way, that it's normal. And it's okay to feel that way. And then what are things that we can do to help us through that time? So for our listeners, hopefully by the time this airs, there will still be a chance to catch (laughs) of this series. And if you'd like to register, you can go to tn.gov.gov slash DCS, click on program area, and then click on training and it will pull it right up. And if you're thinking that maybe you missed out on this, who knows? Maybe we'll be continuing this in the future. So please check it out. Go to our website and see what's available. John and Tara, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing all your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you.